What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain it's always a pleasure to sit down with my brother Joe Rogan on a podcast. I've done it many times on his podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, and now I get to put him in the seat for my podcast, and we get to talk about the things that are really important to both of us, the daily routine, the nutrients we put in our body, and the importance of inspiration and motivation in your life. So please enjoy, and after you're done, if you wouldn't mind, leave a review on iTunes. It really helps to spread this message as far as possible. And I'm deeply grateful for all your support. Enjoy. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's happening? <laughs> Not too much. How are you doing? Good. What's up? Good. I want to talk to you about your daily routine, like a peer, like looking into the life um, on a variety of different days and just get right down to the routine that you do to perform, you know, at your best and whatever it is. So let's, uh, let's take a, let's take a UFC day. It's a day that I've gotten a glimpse at cause you know, I tend to go with you to Vegas. Let's take, take one of those days where you wake up in the hotel in Vegas, you know, what's, what's, what do you do in that day to prepare yourself optimally for what you have to accomplish? The UFC days are surprisingly easy for me. That's the, the, the harder days, honestly. The hardest part about the UFC day is uh, getting tickets to all my friends. <laughs> that is the hardest part. It's like ma making sure that I got everybody's name and I don't leave anybody out. I don't forget. That's the most stressful part of my whole day, believe it or not. Other than that, um, I usually like to get some kind of a workout in the day of the UFC. So what time do you wake up usually on? Whenever on I wake up. I just wake up when mm -hmm. I wake up. On UFC days, I think being rested, being well-rested is one of the most important things. So uh, I try not to go to bed too late, and I try to just sleep until I'm not tired anymore. And how long do you usually, are you able to sleep? You know, on a day where you just let it let it rip. I'm very happy with eight hours. Yeah. I don't always get it. Sometimes I get seven. Uh, I can function on six. Anything under six, I start feeling it. Um, but I like eight. And mm -hmm. more than eight is surprising. And I've heard that you should try, like Mark Sisson believes you should try for ten. You know, and uh, Tito Ortiz, when he was the champ, he used to sleep 12 hours a day. He used to sleep. He used to go to bed at midnight, wake up at noon, just fucking sleep. Wow. And you know, training like a madman. Your body needs a lot of recovery time. And a lot of people believe that that is one of the most important things for, for recovery and for um, just improvement of your allowing your body to reach its optimum state of endurance and strength. And you just need a lot of sleep. So um, UFC days, I try to get a good amount of sleep. Um, Do you ever I, wake up in the middle of the night? I mean, getting eight hours seems like a fantasy for a lot of people. I yeah. mean, even for me, eight hours is I'm I'm like fired up in the morning. Like I wake up and like, yeah, give a give a holler, give a woot. If I get eight hours, well, if you're going full blast all the time, which I try to do, I'm tired. 
You know, like, <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. I'm fucking tired, man. When so, if I can, the only thing that messes me up is if I drink too much water, and then in the middle of the night I gotta pee. Yeah, you know, and then I'm like laying in bed, especially if it's not my and bed. And then that thought can creep in that gets mm. you like excited <laughs> or gets you worried about something. That's when it really gets you. Yeah. Also, for me, it's like I might have an idea, and if I have an idea, I gotta get up and write it down. Yeah, I have to. If I don't write it, write it down, they go away. And sometimes I've had great ideas. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I'll never forget that. And then I wake up in the morning. I have no idea what the fuck the idea was. So I make sure that if an idea takes precedent over even sleep. So mm-hmm. if I have some thought that comes into my mind that demands being written down, I got to get up and write it down. Have you down. ever tried the Hey Siri? Like, Hey Siri, take a note. I've started. No. Oh, shit. My phone ah, just, just my phone went off. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've started, I started doing that. And it's actually, I've Is done that, that in bed before. It's a so little bit annoying to Whitney. But <laughs> hey Siri, take a note? Yeah. And it takes a note? And it'll take a wow. note. Well, one thing that I do love is the notepad. I'll go right to the note function, uh, the notepad, and use that little uh, voice thing. That voice recorder on the note, it's surprisingly yeah. accurate. It's really oh, yeah. amazing. And apparently the Google one is even more accurate. Mm-hmm. Google, um, Google's new phone, the Google Pixels, apparently their voice recognition software is yeah. even I tried to above. buy that joint, but they're out of stock. Yeah, I tried to buy it too, man. I bought it, and uh, this, I'm in a, a place right now where I'm a little annoyed with Apple because yeah. they do this thing where they have this, uh, you know, they have your iMessage, and you think your iMessage is a text, right? Well, it's not. It's not a text. It's an iMessage. So if you switch over with the same phone number from a iPhone to a Google Pixel and you try to send people a message, they're going to think that you're sending them an iMessage. If you've been sending iMessages back and forth to each other like you and I have, mm-hmm. they won't get it. Yeah. They won't get it. So it's Apple's sneaky way of making sure you get frustrated so you try to go back to Apple, which I did. I went back to my iPhone. When I change my phone number, which I always have to do eventually, when I change my phone number, I'm going to change it to a Google phone. Yeah, I think that makes sense. All right, going back to sleep, you yeah. know, there's some people who say that it's actually the standing up process that, you know, your brain has to release enough hormones and things so you actually don't fall over from your sleep, you know, like get the cortisol levels enough that you can actually watch. So yeah. some people say that you should crawl <laughs> to the toilet, <laughs> which seems like incredibly <laughs> awkward. You know, at that point, you might as well just piss your pants. Those I mean, people uh, need to address sleepwalkers. How the yeah. fuck do people sleepwalk now? Right? That's yeah. a, that's a weird state. I wonder what um, what kind of actual part of sleep they're in. I guess it's REM sleep at that point. My or? oldest daughter used to sleepwalk. Really? Yeah, Cage used to sleepwalk when she was younger. Interesting. Yeah. There's another. There's some more research that's out on um, the ways to catalog enough sleep, and they're saying that you should try and get like X number of sleep cycles per week, rather than worrying about it per night. Mm. You know, and a sleep cycle is that complete process going through REM all the way through your interphase sleep and and achieving a certain target. And then they have basically like a point system that you can tally up. Like a nap is worth this amount. Like a trip to the float tank. Anytime you can drop your brainwave state into something that's more relaxing you know, approaching that kind of, um, you know, alpha and into that, um, into that, those brainwave states that are really calming, those count as like one cycle. Mm. And so that way for people who have a kind of a hectic schedule or, you know, find creativity sparking at night, you know, you can kind of keep this cumulative tally over the week and then find ways to fill the gaps. But clearly, you know, getting enough sleep, every bit of research just shows that that's one of the most crucial things you could do from hormones to recovery to cognitive function to alertness, all of the, all of the above. Yeah, and solving problems too, like sleep on it, that old term, if you've got an issue, sleep on it. That's real. You know, you, there's something going on, some process of evaluation happens in your subconscious mind while you're conked out. 
because I've had a lot of things that are troubling me, and then I went to sleep, and I woke up in the morning, I had a much better grip of it for no real reason other yeah. than, you know, dream time. I went to the dark lands and sorted Jerry it out. Your brain got to reset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And whatever happens in dreams, yeah. those, that information that kind of winds its way through. Yeah, and whatever, what is going on while we're unconscious? I mean, that's never really clearly been established. And, you know, obviously you and I are aware of the DMT realm and that DMT is released during heavy REM sleep and they don't know how much or why and studies need to be done. But one of the things about psychedelic experiences that mimic dreams is that right after the psychedelic experience, particularly DMT experiences, they're so, it's so vivid, but within 10 minutes, you could barely remember it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with dreams. You know, yep. when you have a dream and you wake up and you're sure that you're going to remember this dream for the rest of your life. And then a few minutes later, you're like, what the fuck was I talking about? That's one of the things, you know, obviously, you know, I do a lot of these, you know, psychedelic trips with DMT and one of the things I do is when I remember something important, I have to like pattern it into my brain. So I know I remember mm. it, you know, like if there's a lesson and it, it kind of stops the experience for a little bit, but if it's important enough, similar to you writing that note, I have to like g- groove it into my brain deep enough yeah. that as that state, you know, kind of continues on, I'll still recall it. It's an interesting kind of a facet of what I've been able to do, probably why I've been able to garner as much out of it. I think similarly, people who take those dream journals and, um, but dreams to me seem more random. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a lot of times I don't really have any value that I get from it. Yeah. There's a lot of times when they're really random, but I imagine if you're going through like really troubling and, you know, trying aspects of your life, maybe they would have more significance to them. Yeah. Sure. General themes for sure. Is there anything you do immediately upon waking up? you know, some kind of practice that, you know, first thing, this is what I do when I wake up. One of the things that I try not to do before I talk about what I do do, I try to leave my fucking phone alone. Cause, uh, what I like to do in the morning is go to the bathroom and stare at my phone. And sometimes I'll be in there <laughs> taking a shit for a half an hour, reading emails. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just wasting time. Um, I think the best thing for me to do is to get up and just take some, you know, big, deep breaths, drink some water and work out. I like working out fasted and mm-hmm. I like working out first thing in the morning, especially uh, strength workouts. And it, it fires me up. It gets the whole day going because I, I start off and I f- always feel like a little sleepy, a little groggy, uh, you know, and then between kettlebell swings and then windmills, and then some hangs, and then some chin-ups, then everything starts firing. Then the sweat starts breaking. And once the sweat starts breaking, then I start pushing it. And when I start pushing it, then everything just, everything ramps up, and then the workouts get hard. And once I get through a hard workout in the morning, um, I just feel like it starts my day off in a great way. It gets me, it gets all my, my, my systems firing. It gets my body to just feel like it's it's already put in a lot of work. I've already started the day off with uh, some good momentum on my side. And um, three days a week, I try, at least two days a week, I try to do that with yoga. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the most brutal things that I do, man, is an hour and a half hot yoga class. Fasted. Fasted, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll have coffee before it, but most of the time what you I like to do... you put fat in your coffee when you, do it, when you have it beforehand, or do you just no. have it? Most of the times I drink one of those caveman coffee nitros mm-hmm. because it's, it's kind of cheating because it's 270 milligrams of caffeine in that little bitch. <laughs> that little tiny can is fucking rocket fuel. Yeah. So I'll fire one of those up and um, go down to um, 
the gym or go down to uh, the yoga studio. I also take, um, I always make sure that I uh, drink uh, one Alpha Brain and five Shroom Techs. I go to five now for a yoga class. Yeah, Yeah. 90 minutes, man. I want to be, because it's the last 15 to 20 minutes of a hot yoga class are the most miserable I am. It's just fucking. You like, have a God, lake of you have a lake of sweat yeah. in front of you. Yeah, pour and sweat. Like there's certain like standing stick pose. Is that what it is? Standing tree pose, where uh, my arms are extended out in front of me and I'm watching sweat pour off of my elbows. I'm like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah, and it's uh, it's grueling, man. But, but it it's, feels so fucking good when mm, you're done. Yeah, so good and so uh, relieved. Yeah, relieved of stress. Like and... it just wrings all of that out of your body. Mm-hmm. And it also, you know, for people who have a hard time getting up, you know, light and movement are the two key things to get the body restarted. Yeah, you know, expose yourself to some sunlight or some kind of blue light spectrum, and then get moving. You know, yeah. you start doing that, and then otherwise you're in that kind of groggy fog that can last almost indefinitely. And then it also doesn't really start your circadian rhythm in the morning. People think about sleep as like, all right. What do I got to do an hour before sleep? But if you actually reset early enough in the day, the research shows that it's going to help you through the night. You know, like it starts in the morning. That's when you get everything going. And so by moving like that, it gives all of the signals to the body like, hey, body, wake the fuck up. It's awake time now. Another good thing about the yoga class is that it's a class and there's a bunch of other people in there hustling too. And so you all feed off of each other's energy and everybody's pushing it. And it's just everybody's suffering in there too. Early morning pole dancing, whatever you got to (laughs) do to get get it done. You know, find something that suits you. Yeah, find something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard for people to push themselves. You know, it's hard for people to get up and push themselves in the morning. And even in the afternoon or evening, it's hard for some folks to push themselves. And that's one of the things that I think are great about classes. It sort of forces you to get things going. So post-workout, what's your, what's your go-to meal um, after that? Most of the time, post-yoga, I eat, well, I try to eat real clean. Um, most of the time, post-yoga, it's salad with some shredded chicken on it. Like I'll go to, uh, there's a Air One, like a, mm-hmm. one of those health food supermarkets or, you know, Whole Foods. Health food paradise. Yeah. I go, that is. Yeah. I go to those places and I just stock up on just healthy salad foods. Yeah. They got the best cauliflower in there. <laughs> cauliflower. <laughs> the cauliflower at Air One is second to none. Yeah. They're good stuff, man. Yeah. You know, put some uh, olive oil and vinegar on it and just eat real healthy and drink kombucha. Yeah. And, you know, I just feel like, wow, okay, I've got a lot of my health requirements out of the way for the day. I got a big ass two pound salad, yeah. you know, and big kombucha and, you know, did my yoga class. I'm ready to go. And that's often the way I approach podcasts. I'll come into podcasts after that. But sometimes I'm so fucking tired from those yoga classes, I feel like I'm struggling a little bit with podcasts. So lately I've been taking an earlier class so that I have a little bit more time to recover Mm -hmm. and just sort of reset. Because when you get out, if you do yoga right, and a lot of people are like, what? You're fucking tired from yoga? Come on. (laughs) Either A, you haven't done yoga, or B, you haven't done it the way I do it. Because I do it 100% of my effort. So if it's a one-minute pose, for one minute, I'm doing the best I can. Mm. And that is fucking hard, man. It's hard. And if you don't think it's hard, fucking come come do a class with me. Yeah. Just come watch. <clears throat> it's fucking hard. It's, and it's you mentally get a lot hard. Out of it. It's mentally hard, too, because the, you know part of yoga is aligning your breath and your thoughts and everything working together with your body, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, um, it takes not only physical fortitude, but emotional, like mental fortitude to really 
practice yoga the right way and to link your breath with the movement and and still the mind as much as possible. But that's where those great rewards come. And for people who can't meditate, you know, that that moment at the end where you're lying down in Shavasana and that last bit, that's what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah. You know, that's the goal. And I think so many people are like, I can't meditate. I try to meditate. But they never really felt the goal. They've never been in a float tank or they've never done yoga the right way where they're just completely wrung out. And they can feel what that thing feels like. And then once you feel that, then you can track it down a billion different ways. Yeah. For me, the one of the hardest parts about yoga is standing still at the end of poses. Yeah. Or, or lying down Shavasana, like lying still, not just like going, oh, God, rolling around and lifting your legs <laughs> yeah. up. Like your body wants to keep moving for some weird reason. Well, that's what all the yogis say. They say Shavasana, which is they call it corpse poses where you're lying in the back. All the yogis will be like, that's the hardest pose. And one of them, one part of me wants to be like, bitch, that's not the hardest <laughs> pose. I'm fucking lying down. Like, it's the easiest pose. But yeah. I understand what they're saying because that's when you have no movement to kind of quiet the mind, that's when the mind can tend to be the most active. And that's when you're not practicing yoga, you're lying down. If you're yeah. practicing yoga, that's when it's, it's breath and it's stillness of the mind. Yeah, I try. I, one day, my goal with yoga is to get through the whole class and to never let down during any of the positions, go through the like the entire cycle of positions without ever losing my balance, getting through the whole thing, lying down Shavasana with no movement, and just doing the whole thing the way you're supposed to do it. I've never gotten there yet. Yeah. I don't know how many goddamn yoga classes I've <laughs> taken if I fuck up every time. I've, I'm always slipping or stumbling, but it's difficult. And I think you know it's one of the things that we've been discussing many, many times and earlier today. Difficult things are really good for you. Yeah. It's very, very important. And people who don't do difficult things, they struggle. They struggle in other ways. Like to not struggle is a struggle. Yeah. So, all right, you got the workout covered. Now, you've experimented with a lot of different kind of nutritional philosophies. Yeah. Um, you went gluten-free for a little while. You've gone keto, full out for a little while. And then you've kind of settled. You, you, know, you procure a lot of your own meat. Um, do kale shakes. You know, what do you think you've kind of, it seems to me, you know, knowing you, that you've kind of settled on a, a little bit of a combination of all of that at this yeah. point. Is that kind of where you feel the most comfortable is, is just somewhere in the middle there? Well, I think the biggest decision that I've ever made uh, in terms of nutrition is to cut sugar out. Yeah. That's been giant. That, that has really made a huge difference. And the biggest difference is in my energy levels throughout the day. Like I don't have a, a like a dip in the late afternoon anymore. That was a, that was like life for most <laughs> right. of my life. It's like, I'd eat breakfast, I'd eat lunch and like, Oh, I fucking crashed. And then I want, I want to take a nap before jujitsu, you know? <laughs> and then I'd go and train. Sure. It was like, I always needed a nap. I don't need naps anymore. It's, it's fucking amazing. Like I, I just wonder the havoc that I was wrecking on my body with breads and pastas and the insulin dumps and, you know, where your body has a spike of insulin and, you know, and then you're, you're fucking Oh, I look at the foods crashes. I ate with horror. I, with horror. <laughs> I would eat these Tyson chicken nuggets that were like brown as, as the grout in those bricks there. This gray. Like what was even in those? It wasn't even breading that was oh. breading them. I have no fucking idea. You know, and but we didn't we didn't really know. Like the, as we were saying, the knowledge kind of came through. I mean, for a while, everything was non-fat. And then sugar was like, yeah, sugar was cool. Yeah. And then that's, and you know, a lot of the uh, conspiracy theory around that is proving to be, you know, a little bit uh, malevolent behind that. But that whole, that whole paradigm is flipped. But the funny fucking thing is it's flipped. Everybody knows that fat 
generally is pretty good, especially the right kinds of fats. And sugar is absolutely a villain. But I'll still go to the fucking store and see people pulling non-fat yogurt off the shelf. And I'm like, non-fat yogurt, bitch, that's just the lactose. Yeah. Like non-fat milk. Like you want to concentrate the lactose? That's not the good part right. of the milk. And they add sugar to low-fat milk. Yeah. So that you so get more. Yeah. Yeah, good. It's fucking crazy. It's, it's like people, you know, once you get that momentum and you get that thing in your head, it's hard for people to, to make that switch, even though the research is conclusive out there. That, that idea of fat on the shelf is fat in my body. Yeah. You know, it's something that's hard for people to let go of. The research is out there, but people have not absorbed it. There's right. a, a giant percentage of people. Like, I was listening to this guy, this, uh, one of these vegan activists, and one of the first things he was talking about was the dangers of, saturate, uh, of unsaturated fat, or saturated fat, rather. <laughs> Yeah. And I was, I was listening to Dangers him. if you want testosterone. <laughs> like, but what he's saying is like so old. Yeah. Like, old. but they're, they're preaching veganism and, you know, all these people that are eating meat and all the dangers of saturated fat. I'm like, stop. Yeah. So that you, you, you look, there is a, there's room in this world for people that consume a plant-based diet, but there's not room in this world for ignorance regarding nutrition. Right. Okay. So if you're promoting a plant-based diet, but you're also promoting ignorance, you're fucking it up for everybody that's in the same camp as you. Mm -hmm. Because everybody like me is going to listen to you talk and go, dipshit. Like you don't even, you can't, you're not an activist. You're just a dude looking for attention who hasn't done all the work. Yeah. And that's a lot of these people, unfortunately. So a lot of people will listen to that and go, well, this is the current dogma and this is what I'm supposed to do. It's saturated fat is bad. And what I really need is to eat 50 fucking bananas in a day or something. You know, there's all these, a bunch of nutty. <laughs> there is a 50 banana diet. There's a lot of really retarded diets <laughs> I don't know if it's 50, there. but there's like a, a straight Good banana idea. diet. <laughs> you want to fill your fucking veins with sugar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really what you're getting. Bananas are super high in sugar. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. It's. I think um, for me, the sugar part, cutting the sugar out was one of the most important things. And cutting the pasta and the bread was one of the most important things. And then um, stockpiling unhealthy fats, whether it's um, essential fatty acids, uh, avocado, coconut oil, uh, MCT oil in coffee, uh, all those healthy fats. Like having more and more of those did a, a, a wonderful service to my body. Uh, first of all, for my appetite, it, it changed my appetite and concentrating on more of a fat-based diet like the Primal Blueprint style diet. Mm -hmm. Once I started doing that, one of the biggest benefits other than uh, the cut the sugar benefit, which was amazing because I, I cut out um, that crash that was uh, towards the end of the afternoon. The other thing was the appetite benefit. Like my, I don't have the same appetite anymore. Like my appetite, I always eat. I eat healthy and uh, I get hungry like before, but it's not this frantic feeling that you get when you have this carbohydrate-based diet where when you run out of those carbs, man, you just feel like, I got to eat now. I don't get yeah. that anymore. I can go 10, 12 hours a day, no problem with no food. I'll still be hungry, but I don't. It's a different kind of hungry. Yeah, it's almost like you're trying to run a car. If you're doing a carbohydrate-based diet, you're running a car off nitrous alone. Right. You know, like it doesn't have the fucking diesel <laughs> yeah. that's going to keep you, keep you motoring through for a longer period where yeah. that kind of ketone energy can help support you. And then when you need that, you know, that little glycogen spike, you need to burn up some of those sugars, you know, use them. But, yeah. but you got to have the basis. Yeah, you know. and everybody's different when it comes when it comes to uh, how much you know carbohydrates you actually do need. But for me, I found that I work really well with very little. 
I don't, I don't need that much. I mean, I get most of my carbohydrates from vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I eat very, very, very little pasta or bread. And most of the pasta is gluten-free pasta unless I go to a restaurant or something. I'll allow myself to fuck off once a week or so. Yeah. You know, but for the most part, I'm eating really clean. Talk to me about Hulk loads. Hulk loads are where it's at. <laughs> Hulk loads are what I call uh, these kale shakes because they look like what I'm sure the Hulk comes like. So it's uh, I take... Um, four or five large pieces of kale, uh, two or three pieces of celery, depending upon the width, you know, the celery, uh, one large cucumber, um, a large piece of ginger, uh, about the size of, I would imagine the Hulk's thumb. That's a, that's a good piece. Like it's, Big a, piece. it's a ridiculous piece of ginger. Yeah. You know, like people have seen me throw it in there. I go, they go, no, like, they go, no <laughs> you're going to ruin that. Trust shank. me. Trust me. You need that in there. And then four big ass cloves of garlic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, some kind of fruit, whether it's pear or apple, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I used to use a whole. Now I cut it down to a half. It doesn't taste good anyway, even with a whole. It's like, what the fuck's the, the point? Let's I thought you started putting beets in there, too. I do sometimes. Yeah. I do sometimes. Those are good. I like that. That's the Red Hulk. The remember, Red Hulk. Ooh. You remember the Red Hulk? No, I don't remember. I'm not. Yeah, there was, there was a second Hulk. There was a Hulk, and so then bloody, there was a Red bloody, Hulk. Bloody Hulk loads? Well, I just call it Red Hulk loads, <laughs> but you can call it Bloody Hulk loads. It's like the, the Hulk, Hulk. When Hulk needs to go to the doctor. Hulk comes back from Thailand. <laughs> Hulk went on a rampage of a different kind and didn't wear a condom. Yeah. Banner, <laughs> Banner did it to him for sure. Banner is a dirty dog. Dirty dog, Banner. Yeah. So um, that with beets. I really like that. I, I do do that occasionally with beets. So anyway, um, all that goes in the blend tech. Yeah. And just yeah. grind that sucker down and choke it. Yeah. Got to choke it down. People are slave to these sensations in their mouth. Like mm-hmm. so many people are listening like, oh man, I could never do that. What do you mean you could never do that? Yeah. It's like a couple minutes of mouth displeasure yeah. for overall wellness everywhere. Like deal with that slightly uncomfortable sensation on your tongue and get the benefits. I use that expression of yours all the time. The yeah. mouth pleasure. Yeah. That's really what it is. Like you're a slave to mouth pleasure. You need that cheeseburger. You really do. <laughs> you need that mouth pleasure. But yep. occasionally it's not bad, you sure. know, occasionally. If you're, I think I, I rely on the 80-20 principle. I think if 80% of your diet is really good, like on point, 20% you could fuck off with. You'd be better off with 90-10, but 80-20, you're probably going to yeah. be fine, you know? It's that saying, moderation in everything, including moderation. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, you got you to taste the, the extremes every once Have in a while, you know? Have a fucking piece of pizza, bro. Relax. Yeah. Yeah. It's you good. Go, you go by that Czech bakery and you have the yeah. fucking kolache. You know? Exactly. It, it all feels good. It feels good. Yeah. So um, those are the big, big changes that I made. A lot of healthy fats, a lot of coconuts, a lot of uh, coconut oil, a lot of avocados. I might eat 15, 20 avocados a week. Yeah. I eat a lot of avocados. And I just think I just think you can't go wrong with them. It's yeah. just it's so healthy, it's so good for you. And um, along with the Hulk loads, along with uh, elk, I you know I have hundreds of pounds of elk. So what? How much? How can you handle that many jalapenos? <laughs> yeah, oh, watch your Instagram. Yeah. You go deep with the jalapenos. I think I have a difference. I I think I take in spicy foods different than some people do. You know, yeah. I, I really enjoy them. And you must extract spiky, spicy yeah. foods different than most people. Yeah. Because that's, that's the hard part. It's not the actually getting it in. That's kind of enjoyable for me. It's the, when I have when they to, come out? When they come out. It doesn't bother me at all when they come out. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of those interesting things. You know, funny, like I can go heavy with the cayenne or like curries or different spices that are different. But like jalapenos and some peppers, 
Brutal. Dude, I'll eat four large jalapenos. <laughs> I saw I'll that. I'll just chew them bitches down. And I feel like um, I lose a little bit of potency when I cook them, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I accept that because of the flavor. The flavor feels better when you cook them a little bit, so I put them on the grill yeah. when I'm cooking the elk. And then I'll put the elk. Well, I got a lot of people that are eating elk with jalapenos now. I get uh, Instagram <laughs> posts from people and messages from people who say they tried it because it has a kick to it. You know, like the the robust taste of the wild game meat. I love that taste, especially when it's grilled. It's just got that the taste of the fire and the smoke, and then the, this lean, healthy meat. And then you add a little slice of jalapeno on that. It's like ah. It's alive. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to eat. If I had one meal that I could eat for the rest of my life, I think it would be elk with jalapenos and maybe like yams or something on the side. You ever take one of your garden fresh eggs and cook a little over easy egg and put it on the elk without? That sounds pretty good. No, but I do do elk tartare. So I take Uh those garden fresh eggs and I'll take some raw elk and uh, I'll make elk tartare. I've been making that a lot lately. I eat the fuck out of that. Yeah. It's one of the best ways to eat ground elk. Oh, it's amazing. It's so delicious. Because, like, there's something about wild game meat that I don't know if it's psychological. I don't know if it's a placebo effect. But there's something that I feel when I eat it where I feel like it's charging me up. It's like, oh, I just feel it. And I just think there's got to be something to it nutritionally. I mean, when they break down the nut- nutritional profile of meat um, and they look at, like, elk and um, look at moose, and then they look at cows and chickens. There's no fucking comparison. You're dealing with um, a significantly higher level of protein and probably a, a score of other vitamins as well. It looks different. I mean, you, you look at one of my elk steaks, it looks way different than anything that you're buying in the store. It looks sure. like an athlete's ass, you know? <laughs> it's like it's ripped, it's, there's very little fat in there, and yeah. it's, it's dense and dark. You know, and when you eat it, it has this like robust, like dynamic flavor to it. It's just, I love it. The man. diversity of nutrients that you imagine, especially when you're taking it from the field, like yeah. that. You know, I mean, they're eating all kinds of random ass plants. Yeah, little pieces of those plants. I mean, what is an elk? An elk is a is a being with operating instructions that requires raw materials to become bigger, right? Yep. And those raw materials they're sourcing from the forest, like. Yep. People say, oh, yeah, well, you are what you eat. No, you fucking literally are what you eat. You're recycling all of these cells. You're sloughing them off. You're producing yeah. waste. You're produced by absolutely what you eat. So if you're eating the same homogenous diet like a cow versus if you're an elk trying random shit, maybe you eat something like some random nettle plant that has some benefits and some random other grasses and leaves. I mean, all of that shit transfers. And it's yeah. not you're not able to study that you know, particularly and find every tiny little micronutrient, but it only makes sense that if you're constituting yourself with these good materials, then that's going to pass through. And that's why it's not so much always what you eat. It's what you eat, ate, you know, like that's what you got to focus on from the fish that are farmed and fed these fucking pellets, like, like salmon that are in a, in a farm, they're fed, they're fed red pellets because their flesh comes out all pasty white. You know, yeah. they don't even have the astaxanthin that can give it that nice ruddy red color because their diet's all fucked up yeah know? man it's it's you know that i really absorbed that idea when i watched steve ranella's show about bear hunting where they go after bears that are eating blueberries and he, he cut open this bear and they're uh, skinning this bear and taking the meat out and the fat from the bear is purple from blueberries because all these bears are eating is blueberries and he said that the meat has a taste to it that's like a sweet taste. It's like it's one of the most delicious meats you will ever try in your life. 
and uh, he was eating it and just going, this is incredible. It's incredible. And he, wa- he, he was saying on the show, like, I would love to get somebody that thinks that you can't eat bear and serve them this blueberry yeah. bear, and you would, you, would, you would be blown away by it. So that really, like, sunk into me that you, you literally are what you eat. Like, it, it was taking over the cells of this person's or this bear's body. And then I think about a person that eats shitty food. If you're just eating, you know, just French fries and... Taco Bell and drinking soda, like your cells are filled with bullshit. Yeah, like they're making do. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're making do, but it's not the primary. It's not the primary source of what they want. You know, it's like they're going to Home Depot's shelves and all they got is caulk and some fucking tape. <laughs> and you're like, shit, where are the nails and the lumber and everything yeah, else? It's like, I oh. guess we can make a house out of buckets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not sturdy. Yeah, you're, I mean, your body's the ultimate MacGyver. It'll figure a lot of shit out, but best to give it, you know, what it can really thrive with. Well, that's one of the things that Chris Crusher said about vegan diets that was really fascinating because Chris, uh, he gets a lot of hate from vegans, and uh, especially because he was a vegan at one point in time for years and was a macrobiotic vegan. It was super hardcore. And one of the things that he said and many other people that have followed that diet have said is that your body starts out feeling fantastic because all of a sudden you're getting these nutrient-rich foods, you're, you're eating all these plants, you get all these vitamins, but the things that are missing, your body starts to pull from itself. And that's where shit gets weird. Mm-hmm. And you start getting real issues because, I mean, it can be done if you ask the right people and you're really, like, super anal about your diet. You can get everything you need from a vegan diet but man it's very difficult and most people don't do it so the people that don't do it they think they're getting enough and your body starts slowly deteriorating and slowly you feel shittier and shittier and shittier and that's what was happening with Cresser. and when he started re- reporting about that and talking about that and then explaining the science behind all that that's when he started getting all this blowback from ideologues because yeah. all these people that they're not looking at it in terms of like, people get mad at me for talk, saying these things. Like, people, oh, he's shitting on vegan diets again. <laughs> no, what I'm doing is telling you the truth about nutrition based on the actual science that's available today. Not from some fucking dude who's wearing Birkenstocks and a woven shirt. Yeah. Like, this is the actual science behind it. And one of the things that people find is that this lack of saturated fat and this lack of animal protein and B12 can have disastrous consequences on your health. One of the funnier experiences I had was um, Whitney makes great soup from scratch, you know, gets the, the gets the bones and the stock. And then, you know, it takes it's like a whole day process to make the uh, make the beef stock and make the bones. And we had uh, we had some vegans over and she wasn't really realizing that and she was making the soup and it's just filling the house with that aroma of the mm. marrow turning into fat and the spices in it and just watching their body like like looking over at the soup like. God damn! Every cell in my body wants to have Craving some of this. It. Wants to have some. And it's so wholesome too. It's you know we're home cooking this soup, and yeah. and they have this idea in their head that you know. And these are you know, Whole Foods has that animal welfare rating, so it's you know level four cows that are chilling out there and the you know grass fed out in the pasture somewhere in a bunch of land in Texas. So like all the way from the process, it's as good as you can do for store bought. It's not you know elk bones or something like that. But, you know, that idea, that idea of I am vegan and it's my identity transcended them just simply listening to their body. And their body was saying, man, I don't get enough of any of that shit, yeah. you know, into my body. And I should, I should listen. I should pay attention. It's, 
It's so weird because I, I totally see their point of view. I really, really do because animal cruelty is a huge issue. Factory farming is a huge issue. I have a friend who doesn't eat meat at all unless I bring it to her. I, I bring her, uh, she's a waitress at the ice house. She, she, she totally stopped eating meat and she, she's suffering because of it. She talks about it. She feels dragging and, and I'll, I'll bring her some frozen elk. I'll bring her some, uh, some packages and shit. Yep. And she'll eat that and she feels great. But she knows that that animal died. Delivering meat to the ladies. Yeah. It's a different world now, though. Like back, <laughs> young Joe Rogan. It's a was, different kind of meat. <laughs> was serving meat to the waitresses of the world. Now yeah. it's a little different. It's, yeah, it's still happening. It's just not quite the same. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's transition to, you know, when you're, when you're winding it down. Do you have any practices towards the evening, anything that you do to kind of wind things down before bed? Well, if I'm writing... Um, but that's, um, that's usually when I'm doing it. When I'm, when I'm, if I'm writing, I'm usually writing when everyone's asleep. I usually wait till like, you know, seven thirty, eight thirty at night. My kids are asleep. That's when I'll start my writing. And, um, I get, you know, as fired up as I can for a few hours, get as much out of the way as I can. Or sometimes I take, uh, sometimes I take a trip out of the house and I'll come here during the middle of the day. I find like going to a, a location and writing is a really good, good move too. But at the end of the day, I read. Um, when I'm about to go to sleep, nothing makes me tireder than reading, and mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction, most of the yeah. most of the time. And when I'll sit what down, what about when with the ideas book, are really stimulating, though? Doesn't that kind of fuck you up a little bit in the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could fuck you up. Yeah, you can you can get you fired up. But I feel like I just sleep on it. I'll yeah. just dream on it. I don't know, but there's something about the process of reading that makes me tired. Sure. Like, I, I I can't tell you how many times I've been reading and I find myself just nodding off. It's really weird. Whereas I wouldn't be like that if I was watching TV, unless I was really tired, uh, and doing anything else. It's just, there's something about the act of reading mm-hmm. that it just seems to, like, wind me down. Another thing I like to do is get in the tank at night. That's another thing. Getting in the tank at night before bed is fucking amazing. Yeah. Because you, you climb into bed, you're already so relaxed. Yeah. You've already dropped your brainwave state down, mm-hmm. down farther towards those sleep ranges anyways. And also, your body's experiencing all that magnesium from the salt. Mm-hmm. Super just, relaxing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, taking magnesium before bed is, is huge for a lot of people. You know, yeah. if your body's mineral deficient, then your adrenal glands are going to fire a little differently. Making sure you satiate yourself with enough of the calcium, the magnesium, some, the trace minerals, so you can really mm. actually let your body relax. Um, that's been a key thing for me as well. Um, and then screens, as you mentioned, like... Obviously, anytime you're taking in that blue light spectrum, the body thinks it's daylight. So your melatonin production is going to be off. So you better have some other external melatonin like, you know, the Onnit spray or any kind of melatonin. If you are going to be watching TV, I know a lot of people like to do that. I find myself occasionally doing it too. But that's when it is a good idea to reach for the melatonin because you're really screwing up your own body's ability to produce it when you're watching TV late. Yeah, when your eyes are wide open and that <laughs> yeah. screen is and you're watching like light all this light and it's moving around. You know, we just think of it as TV. You know, yeah. but your brain thinks you're looking at the sun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're watching people play in the in the meadows. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> yeah. That we, and you know, our houses are filled with light, then you shut that off. Click and then it's it. It's dark. Yeah. Like it's not like a slow process where the lights slowly start to dim and then you go by candlelight. Ideally, that's probably how we should live. We should probably have like a slow dimmer on the timers mm-hmm. in the house and then light candles everywhere else. Yeah. I mean, that's what someone like Ben Greenfield does. He has red bulbs in his bedroom lights and then oh. he has some candles and, and that's really what he sets up. He also keeps the bed as, you know, the bed is the spot to, you know, either have sex or sleep. 
you know, and he has like other spots where he can kind of do everything else. So he trains his body that when he's hitting the bed, he's either getting a boner or passing out. <laughs> you know, Maybe you should have a fuck bed and a sleep bed. <laughs> yeah. So it makes it even less confusing. Didn't they have that back in the old days? Like, wasn't it customary to not sleep with your partner? Like they had dual beds. It's even probably because people smelled so fucking bad back then. <laughs> yeah. You probably couldn't concentrate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, yeah. pre-soap and deodorant. Yeah, no toothpaste. <clears throat> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate you delving into the routine here. My pleasure. I yeah. think, uh, well, I think you know, we've covered pretty much most of it. Drink a lot of water. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, alpha brain, fucking giant. It's a, just such a, I can't tell you how much of a huge part of my day that is. Yep. Anything I do, anything where I've got to fucking think, any podcast, any stand-up, Alpha Brain's a must. And you've been with me at the UFC where I panicked. Like, shit, I forgot to bring it. Yeah. And luckily, you've been there and yeah. got me some. I remember I had to make a hellacious sprint through the MGM Signature <laughs> Towers, which seemed to go on forever. That's a long-ass yeah. walk. Um, and get you some. So it's, I'm with you, though, 100%. I don't it's do a so podcast critical. without it. So critical for it. my memory. Because with, with podcasting, or in particular UFC commentary, that's the big one. Because I have to recall thousands of fights. Yeah. I mean, and I... I can pull some of it from my memory most of the time, but man, I need every fucking bit of help I can get when it mm-hmm. comes to that because so much of what you're doing when you're doing commentary is based on like pattern chunking and recognizing individual experiences that different fighters have had and you know how they've prevailed or failed or or what's gone wrong and trying to analyze has he ever done that before and try to remember times where it has has happened and um other than that, um, you know, I I just think that's uh, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, simple uh, simple vitamin supplements, um, simple uh, simple food choices. Making sure you get is um, I think vegetables are super important. It's probably yeah. one of the most important things to Everybody stock up on. Do yourself a favor. Listen to the most recent Rhonda Patrick podcast uh, mm. with you, um, yeah. the Joe Rogan Experience. Take a listen to that. You will start eating broccoli sprouts. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna go deep on broccoli sprouts after you listen to that. And if you do, bring a notebook. <laughs> yeah, for I've sure. I've already listened to it once, and I, I need to go back and go over it again and, and write notes. And she's a wizard. And that's the and that's the beautiful thing. Always just be open to learning new tricks and knowledge. Like I get excited when I hear about something new like that that I'm not doing. Especially, you know, she's talking about sprouting your own broccoli sprouts, and to me that fires me up. I don't really cultivate a lot of my food. We have a little garden. It's kind of limited and what it does but um that idea of being connected to your food supply in and of itself is good and then when you're doing that much good for your body on top of it it's just great i grow kale broccoli tomatoes cucumbers and some herbs and when i make a salad with those it's it it feels like it's the same kind of self-sustaining feeling that you get when you eat something that you hunted it's not quite as intense because Mm. you know i have this memory of this giant forest horse that I <laughs> shot an arrow through and then I'm eating it. That's really primal. That's some caveman shit. But there's a, a really good feeling when you're eating a salad that you made or that you know you grew in your backyard. There's something special about that. And I think anybody that has the ability to do that, if you don't live in you know an apartment that's really restricted as far as like what you could grow inside, if you have a yard, man, grow a few things. Grow, grow. I mean, just maybe if you're not even sustaining yourself off of it, but the occasional salad from something that you grew, you know, the occasional uh, side dish that you grew in your yard. It's just, it feels great. And there's something that might, it might set off 
it might set you off on a journey where you decide, I need more of that in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I need more of that good feeling of being self-sustaining and, and, and knowing where my food really, really comes from. Like being there when you plant the seed, adding the fertilizer, adding the water, watching it grow, cutting it, you know, bring, pulling it out of the ground and cutting it up and putting it in a salad. It's giant. There's a there's a sense of pride too. Like, you know, it's weird. I don't I don't find myself wanting to brag about almost anything. You know, to just friends and stuff. But if I made something that came out of my garden, I'm letting my friends know. Yeah, it's like this is from my garden. Like yeah. we grew this. Yeah, you know, and that's I don't know. There's just something uh, like you said. It's primal. It's not in that same way that visceral excitement of of tracking an animal down. But when you've cultivated something yourself, it's something that we're getting more and more out of touch with. And getting back in touch with that pays dividends. Have you ever eaten morel mushrooms? No, I don't think so. Maybe. I had a friend who went and picked a bunch of them and then he cooked it for us. And there was this thing that I, I could get from him, like serving them and eating them. Like he, he was, he went to the forest and found these mushrooms and picked them and they're particularly delicious. Yeah. And, uh, he had this way, he, he dried them and then, um, rehydrated them in a, like a brine. So they had like kind of a salty taste to them and then sauteed them gently in butter. God Ooh. damn, they were good. They were so good. And that's, that's how he served them by themselves. And he's like, just, you know, just put them on a plate and just start eating. I'm yeah. like, really? Mushrooms? Are that good? And But it was something to the fact that this guy went out and got these in the forest, you know, and he could, you know, he he could feel that when you were eating it, that you were experiencing it. And, you know, he was all excited, like, you know, you're, you're like, this guy's eating the mushrooms that I've found and picked and he's getting nutrition from it now. And he's getting this good, this good feeling when he's eating it and tasting it and it's yeah. satisfying and delicious. Yeah, man, there's something really um, missing in the way a lot of people consume food mm-hmm. is that they're not connected to it in any way, shape or form. And even if you're just going to a farmer's market and talking to the guy that grew it, you know, and, and b- buying your your tomatoes from the guy that actually grows the tomatoes or the buying your meat from the woman who actually kills the cows yeah. and, and, you know, and cuts them up and and then now she's selling them. I mean, you can get that experience from a yeah. farmer's market. And I think it's a purer experience than most of what we have. I think, I mean, this is a beaten dead horse right now, but the the world we live in and in this society in particular is so disconnected from our food supply mm-hmm. and uh it's very convenient and you and i can walk around the corner right now and eat some uh ground fucking animal sandwiches yeah and we didn't have anything to do with it you right. know and you can get it you give them a piece of paper and they give you an animal sandwich and that's it in in that sense if you don't have much time it's very convenient sure. but i just think it's incredibly unhealthy Overall, psychologically, I think it's as far as your perception of what food is mm-hmm. and your your understanding, like taking it into account, like like saying grace. You know, I don't say grace. You know, I don't I don't pray, but I think that the the act of being thankful for your meal and even more thankful because you know where that meal came from, all those things, I think, can have a, a huge benefit in your life, not just because of the nutrition that you're getting, but also because of the way it's making you think about the food. You know, that's a that's interesting that you say that because Aldous Huxley talks about that 
way of saying grace in his book Island, which is a, a study of a utopia that eventually clashes with the dystopia, um, dystopic society. But he talks about saying grace in that similar way. And he says, get all the food on your plate. You know, imagine where all of that food came from. Imagine the wild state that it was in, you know, connect with that and then make the very best bite that you can on your fork. That like, just take a little bit of time to make that very best bite is your first bite and then eat that bite and just be conscious of all the flavors and everything that's going on. And that to him is, is real gratitude. It's appreciation, not by, you know, thanking some, some deity with a beard, you know, for this, it's actually connecting with the food and appreciating it. Cause ultimately that is the most gratitude, right? You know, it's, it's not the people at the comedy show that come up and say, thank you. Like, that's nice, but it's the laughter, Mm. you know, of the jokes. That's the real appreciation, you know, that's what, that's what anything would want. And I think that's the way we should say grace with, with appreciation, for all of this fucking food that we have, which is, which is amazing. Cause yeah, right now there's some of the most unhealthy things going on, pollution, different things that are affecting us. But we also have the opportunity to source the healthiest shit from around the world. Like we can get turmeric in a fucking drop of a hat. Yeah. You know how hard it was getting turmeric back in the day? <laughs> you had to go you had to like war. talk to Marco Polo. <laughs> yeah. It was like putting shit in, ch- in treasure chests yeah. and coming back with these yellow spices and your body's like, whoa, yellow spices. Yeah. Can you They're imagine everywhere. how spice deprived those people were? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, the spice trade was huge because this thing that tickled their mouth and their body felt like, alive from these different things. Of course. Imagine but we have all those luxuries. Take one of those guys that used to go to war for salt and then take them to a restaurant and see <laughs> yeah. the container of it sitting on the table what the fuck you guys give away salt yeah yeah i mean we live in amazing times it's a it's a it's an incredible time as far as like your ability to get that kind of stuff but yeah i think real thankfulness real gratitude and that you know that's it's it's not just like hey you should be thankful well yeah you should be thankful but it's also that gratitude and that feeling when you it it, it helps you have a better perspective mm-hmm. of of what this food is and and it, it gives you an enriched uh, an enriched feeling when you're eating it. Yeah. I also noticed too personally there'll be times when like I'm stressed or I'm thinking about something where I'm just plowing through food, like mm. just not even thinking about it, eating way too much. It's usually when I'm eating the worst, you know, and I, I find myself gravitating towards poor meals and I'm just on this like hungry autopilot, like I got to eat and my mind's occupied. First of all, it's not enjoyable. Second of all, that's when I wake, make my worst food choices. So like taking a moment to observe that kind of energy and just be like, hey man, relax. Yeah, It's, it's eating time. Let's just eat. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like take a moment to still your mind enough to actually eat. It's almost the fucking yoga of eating, right? Like, yeah. like, like being present with these simple processes that we do throughout the day. It's going to give so much more enjoyment spread out. Some of my most enjoyable meals are me cooking for myself when I get home late at night from a show. Because like my work is done, my whole day is over, and now I'm going to cook some meat that I shot myself. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to prepare my own meal. So I could have just went to In-N-Out Burger. I passed by it on the way home. I thought about it. Fuck that. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to hang tough and get home, fire up the grill yeah. and throw some elk steaks on there and and cook a real meal, you know, and and feel real good about it. Like I have this feeling when I eat it that's just irreplaceable and mm-hmm. it's 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 completely different than the feeling that you get if you just fuck off and eat a cheeseburger. Yep. 
do it. Make these small changes. These small little things can lead to big little things. Everything is, life is a momentum game, you know, and and making something that seems trivial like this could open up, as you said, this whole other pathway, a whole new way to live. And I think this conversation is very important. And I think conversations like this are very important because even if people know it, you want to hear it. And you want to hear it and you want to go, oh, yeah, 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 that, that resonates. That makes sense. And then people are going to hear this and they're going to, they're going to realize the truth in it. And they're going to probably, some of them at least, are going to make a few better decisions. Yep. And that's, that's on the way. You're on your way then. Yeah. You, know, just make a f- you don't have to be fucking perfect tomorrow. Just make, right. a, make a few more positive, more beneficial decisions. Yeah. People can let the let the totality of everything they have to do overwhelm them, and then they do nothing. Yeah, you know, like oh, I gotta do this. I gotta work, work out. I gotta change my diet. I gotta figure out. So- oh, I just can't fucking do it. Back to the cheeseburgers. That's why you it's know. so incredibly impressive when someone loses a ton of weight. Like mm-hmm. when you run into a guy. Like I've run into so many people that listen to me talk on the podcast and said, "Dude, you changed my life. I lost a hundred pounds." I mean, I might have run into a thousand people that have lost a hundred pounds, and I'm, I'm <laughs> right. not kidding. Right. Like after shows, people grab me and hug me, and it's overwhelming. It's like I don't know what to say to them. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I say thank you, but I, I really don't know what to say. But those are the people that are fucking studs. Mm-hmm. The people that can just—they're—they're they're at the worst place you can be physically, obese. When you just your body's like overwhelmed with fat, and they'll show me pictures on their phone. This is me eighty pounds ago. And you're like, holy shit! Wow, like that is a giant accomplishment because yeah. the 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 amount of discipline or desire that you have to have to stick with it. When you look in the mirror and you see this big fat gut, and you really want a cheeseburger, you're like, fuck it, I'm not gonna see a six pack. Look at this fucking sloppy gut. But the ability to have that vision and to, to, to just keep absorbing as much inspiration as you can and keep firing up your body and firing up your mind and sticking to it and then seeing the results. Yeah. Amazing. You know, we have some of the best athletes in the world come through the Honored Academy in Austin, but one of the consistently most inspiring figures is this guy, Gordon Johnson. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. You know Gordon? <laughs> you know, I follow him from yeah, Instagram. Yeah, for sure. He just shows up and he gets to work. And it's, you know, we're, we're kind of turning a very long process where he's been overweight and he's down, you know, 30, 40 pounds and we're watching him sweat in there. And even, you know, Tim Kennedy would be in there crushing it and look over and be like, yeah, Gordon, like, go get it, man. You fucking get it, Gordon. Like, it's just, it's beautiful to see anybody pushing past that limit. You know, yeah. that's, that's as inspiring as anything. It's just about taking where you are and seeing where you can go. And it's not about, you know, whether the big lights are on or whatever. We're all, we're all the heroes of our own story, as you yeah. say, you know, and just recognizing that that achievement is badass. So making this one choice, it's badass. It is. It really is. And then it's again, something we were talking about before that sometimes people, when they don't have anything to feel proud of, it's very difficult for them to feel inspired, mm-hmm. but just little incremental changes, little small shifts that overall add up, you know, that's what life's all about. It's just like my friend Cameron Haynes says, keep hammering. Yep. Yeah. Just keep hammering. That's like, uh, you know, one of those things too, is that's kind of his little self-talk. And then there's the let's go champ. And then yeah. there's the, you know, and that's really so crucial because we're so brutal to our body. Yeah. We talk so much shit to ourselves all the time, but like switch that around with some more positive self-talk and like, 
get yourself fired up no matter where you're at like all right man let's do this let's yeah. go yeah you know? that's what's that's what's up that's yep. what it's all about and again one of the things that we were talking about before this podcast that i think is really critical is absorb as much inspiration as you can out of this life, whether it's from your friends, whether it's from like the Onnit Academy link, which is just overwhelmed with hundreds of pages of awesome articles on diet, on inspiration, on workouts. Get that from everywhere you can. Find YouTube videos. Watch that Cody No Love video. Watch that Cowboy Cerrone video. Watch the Be the Hero of Your Own movie video. Get fucking fired up and keep that fuel coming in there. Keep pumping it in there. Keep throwing logs on the fire. Yep. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's great to hang with you, brother, as always. always. It's, been, it's been always. an honor to be on this journey with Onnit and everything with you, man. Me it's, too, man. I can't, it's a real pleasure. I can't, I can't say it enough. Yeah. Likewise, brother. Likewise. We're going to get, we're all fucking teary-eyed in this I bitch. am. I'm teary-eyed right now. <laughs> God damn, uh, I'm such a pussy. <laughs> uh, love you, brother. I Thank love you, you too, man. man. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you get a moment, please leave a review on iTunes. And also, if you're interested in anything total human optimization, go to onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, at Aubrey Marcus on social for all things to follow me. And of course, my blog, aubreymarcus.com. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.